Do you realize that like 15, 20% of our congregation that was in the seats just turned around and left? That's a good thing, isn't it, all right? All right? Not just the person going back there with one child by themselves, but now it's just neat to see everybody get up and leave. Y'all got to stay, all right? So what we're doing is we're looking at the, the I am statements from Jesus in the book of John, all right? So what we're going to do over the course of the next uh, probably few weeks and months is to go over each one of these statements. These statements are the connecting statements that Jesus makes to associate himself with God the Father, all right? And so when we look at these statements, they're important. One of the things that I want to do is we're going to start, we're not going to go in chronological order or anything like that with them. Um, what, what we're going to do is we're going to, I've kind of laid them out in a pattern to kind of present to you over the next few weeks and months, all right? So today what we're going to do is we're going to start when, when Jesus says that I am the light, all right? And so we'll go through this and, and kind of break it down. But one of the, this first statement is one of the things that describes or one of the descriptions that we have of God in Scripture, all right? There are three New Testament Scriptures or passages that give us a picture of who God is, all right? One, God says uh, in, in 1 John 1, 5, John says that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all, okay? Uh, in Hebrews, it tells us that God is a consuming fire, all right? All right, and then in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, God is spirit. So what do these do? This give us a description of, of, of the identity of God. God is light, and in him there is no dark, darkness at all. Speaks of the purity of God, all right? And then when we look at God as the consuming fire, that's the passion that's within us of who we are in Christ. God consumes everything in our lives. In other words, there shouldn't be anything that we keep from God or keeps us from God, okay? And then the third description was um, that, um, what did I say? God is light, God is a consuming fire, and God is spirit. God, we like to think of God as ourselves. We project our humanism back on God. We were talking about this in Sunday school today. We project our human aspects on God. Hands, I know hands and feet are descriptions that are given. We are God's hands and feet. We've talked about that in the Old Testament, and those pictures are given. But that's actually us taking our human aspects and projecting them back on God. Scripture says that God is spirit. And so he doesn't look like us. We, have, we are made in his image, but that's a spiritual aspect of him. We're, we're, we're made in his image so that we can have a spiritual relationship with God. But God doesn't look like us, all right? We're made in his image spiritually. So the physically, you know, he's, it, there, there's, there's no aspect of who we are that, that, that is like God other than the spiritual aspect and relationship that we can have with him. So Jesus is going to make a statement here that deals with one of these descriptions of God. It's found in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says this, Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this is very important because I'm going to break this statement down. And look, how many of you were... How many of you liked math in, in high school or, or college or whatever? Math is what you love. Well, the, today you're going to love it. How many of you hated math? You're not going to like this message, all right? Probably not, all right? This has to deal with equations, okay? So I'm going to give you some equations today. And, and so as I give you these equations, understand that this is what I'm thinking. I liked math, and this is the way that I put this all together to help us to be able to understand this. The first thing we want to do is take this 
particular verse and break it up into sections. The first statement that he makes is, I am the light of the world. I've just given you the background on that. That's a, that's a description that we have of God. John takes this and runs with this. If, if you look at 1 John, he really develops this, that, that Jesus is the light of the world and kind of goes through all that. So you can read 1 John and talk about that and, and see that. The first part of 1 John deals with that God is light. The second part deals with that God is love. And he really develops those two things. Why is he developing those things? He's developing those things off of a statement that he heard his master say right here when he says that I am the light of the world. So the first thing I want to talk about is our enlightenment. You and I receive our light that we have from God. We are enlightened by God. In other words, in our own mindset, in our own heart, we are depraved. The, world, the Scripture tells us that we were born into this world into sin so that we are separated from God. That is darkness. Now, in Scripture it says that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. So what God does is He brings light into our lives. We are enlightened by God. We think we're getting smarter. If you listen to the world, we're evolving, right? Aren't we all getting smarter? Isn't that what they say? All it's societally and how we do things. We're just, we're just so smart that we can figure this all out. We're not. We're the same human beings. Now, we're struggling. We may, we may learn how to deal with things in a better way. We may, we may make improvements, but we cannot do what God does. And we'll get into more details of that in a few minutes. But we are enlightened by God. There's two things or two ways in which we are enlightened. We're enlightened through the knowledge and through the comprehension of God's Word. Now, both of those are extremely important. We're going to break down. You can't just have one of those. You have to know what God's Word says, and then you have to be able to comprehend. That equals understanding. That makes us intelligent. That brings wisdom into our lives. So here's the, in, in, the equation for you. You have to realize that you have to have knowledge. You have to know what God says. And then you've got to be able to comprehend that. That's what brings understanding into your life. Without either one of those or without both of those, you don't understand. Why is it then that the world does not understand what we are talking about here on Sunday mornings? They don't understand is because they, one, possibly didn't grow up in a church, don't have any knowledge of it, or secondly, they can't comprehend what God's trying to say to us through His Word. So they don't have understanding. So when you go into your office setting, or you go into your social setting, where you meet people and know people, and you try to engage them with the gospel, which is the truth, which is the Word of God, they're not going to understand what you're talking about. And the further that we get from God as the center of our society and our culture, the more difficult it is to find someone who has background, knowledge, or any kind of uh, connection with God in their family history. We are generationally moving away from where people even grew up in the church. Because when somebody leaves, in a lot of cases, they don't come back. We see a lot of young people. In fact, there was an article this past week about the number of young people who leave church when they go to college. It's actually astounding. 
the number of people that were raised in church, young people, and then they leave when they go to college. Now, what we do find is that there's a larger portion of them that will come back in their early adulthood. If they have kids and different things like that, they'll reconnect back into the church. But there's a lot in this millennial generation who are waiting longer to have children and longer to start their either married life and different things like that that don't reconnect. They just don't connect back up at all. And so when that happens, then you start a generation or you start a separation from the Word of God and from the people of God. And then when they have children or different things like that, it gets progressed out. So there's less and less people who have familiarity with this. Proverbs 18.2 says this, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. I think it's amazing to me today how much we hear on social media and then repeat without ever verifying it. Isn't that amazing? We can see something on social media. You know, they tell, they, I can remember when Wikipedia used to, first came out. I mean, teachers were like, and I know that they still do that today. You can't use Wikipedia as a source. Why can't you use Wikipedia as a source? Because anybody can go in there and change all that and put whatever what they want to in that, right? And just make statements. Well, that's become all of social media for us. Anybody can go out there and make a statement, and then without verification in a lot of cases, it's repeated over and over and over again. A fool does not delight in understanding. In other words, nobody's doing their own work anymore, but revealing his own mind. This is what I think. And make a statement on there, unverified, unconscious of any uh, kind of development or, or any kind of substance or facts, and then it's just kind of put out there. So here's how this works. If someone lacks knowledge, they're ignorant. If we lack knowledge on a subject, we are ignorant. Now, I want you to think about that. Let's, let's develop this for just a second. Ignorance is bliss. Isn't that what, what we go around and tell everybody? You know, in fact, there's a lot of things that you probably have said, I, I don't want to know about that. If I know about that, then I'm responsible for that, right? So just don't tell me. I feel better if I don't know what's going on. If I don't know what's going on, I don't have to be held accountable for that. Why is that? We believe that because we live under the understanding that ignorance is bliss. The more we know, the more we're responsible for. Think about this in the Old Testament. Solomon. Now, now, now look, Solomon asked for wisdom. He didn't know what he was asking for. Have you ever read Ecclesiastes? Go read Ecclesiastes. The smarter he got, the wiser he got, the more that he had to deal with, it seems like the more somber his life became. Ecclesiastes is written at that point later on in his life. He says, I dealt with this, and it was vanity. It was chasing after the wind. It was vanity of vanities. I tried to do this. I tried to understand. We got, to, we got this thinking, and so we've accepted this policy of ignorance is bliss. But we can't walk around in ignorance. The church today does not know what it believes because it doesn't know the Word of God, because it doesn't read the Word of God. So we can't think, well, if I read you know, Ecclesiastes, I think, I don't want to know this stuff. I'll just walk around in ignorance. We're not allowed to walk around in ignorance. Our job is to study the Word of God and to know the Word of God, know what He says and why He says it. 
So we can't live in this life or this thought process that if we don't know it, it's all good. Because it's not all good. And in fact, if we don't know it, then guess what? Those who follow us don't know it. We had people that right here this morning got up to go back there to, to do what? Sit with our children and babysit them back there? What are they doing? They're teaching them. So our job is to teach them. Our job is to study and to learn more. We should have an innate response. We have an innate responsibility within us to realize that we can't walk around in ignorance. Okay, lack of comprehension is an intellectual. And you're thinking, probably, what, what is this? What do you mean by this? Well, anytime somebody knows something without why they know it, we, we, we call them smart sometimes. Okay, let me give you this one. All right, my dad was a paint contractor. I'm just going to give you a personal example of this. So my dad was a paint contractor. He used to do a lot of commercial work. And so engineers would draw up plans for certain things to be done certain ways. James, you know what I'm talking about. And then you get in there and you go, this guy's never had to put this stuff together. It just said this was the best way to do this for this particular project. But it doesn't, doesn't say anything about that being, one, the easiest or the, or the most easiest to comprehend or, to, or, or the functional or any of that kind of stuff. So you can know the knowledge. And I know that I'm picking on engineers here this morning. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to give you a personal example of what I'm trying to talk about. Sometimes we know a lot of stuff, but there's no functionality to it. There's no functionality to it at all. And just because it's knowledge up there doesn't mean anything. Do you know what the middle verse of the Bible is? I don't either. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not quizzing you for an answer. But you can know what the middle verse of the Bible You can know how many verses there are. You can know how many books there are. You can name all the names of them. You can name the lineage of Christ. You could have you know, learned Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 1 and be able to recite it. But that doesn't mean you comprehend it, does it? That means that you're able to give the information that you know and retain that information and verbalize it back. That can make you an intellectual. A lot of people will go, ooh, you're really smart. That happens all the time to tomorrow. They go, Tim's really, really smart. <laughs> no, no, just an intellectual. There you go. <laughs> you know, commercials are good. I like to get y'all laughing. You know, y'all don't think I'm really like this, do you? Good, good, because I'm not. All right. Lack of comprehension makes one an intellectual. Look what it says in Proverbs 20, verse 5. A plan in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. we got to go down there and know why we believe what we believe. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Well, what does that mean for salvation? Can we explain that to somebody about the death, burial, and resurrection? We watch baptisms all the time. And the pastor gets up there, and the pastor will say, what? Right? Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in a newness of life. How many times have you ever heard that from a Baptist pastor at a, at a baptism, all right? Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in a newness of life. You're a new creature coming out of there. What's the understanding of that? Because baptism is really just a visual representation of a, a transformation that took place on the inside, is it not? Is that person actually different because they went under that water back there and came back out? No, they're not. You see, we have to have understanding or comprehension of what we're talking about. And if we can't explain that to somebody else, we're just an intellectual. Oh, well, they're baptized. They're saved. 
We have to be able to, to know what we believe and why we believe that. Jesus is the light of the world. What does that mean to us? Because, because really what he's trying to say here is, I am connected with God. And that light is going to become the light of men. Let's read on in, in Scripture. I'm getting ahead of myself, which is very easy for me to do, all right? The next part about this says this, He who follows me will not walk in the darkness. So the second part, I, he makes a statement, I am the light of the world. That's the enlightenment to us. We need to have the knowledge of that and the comprehension of that. And then he makes this statement, He who follows me will not walk in darkness. We, we're exposed to this. How many of you have ever been overexposed to the sun? You know, I got, I got sunburned one time in like May, all right? I had on a pair of shorts, so what it did is it made this look like a half moon on my leg right here. I mean, it got really, really burned. I don't know why it got just burned right there, but for the rest of the summer, I was white as a sheet except for this part right here, which changed colors. So every time I'd go out... It was really good. So it really hurt for like three or four days, really, really sunburned because I was overexposed. But it left a mark. The entirety of the summer, I was white as a sheet everywhere else. But here, I had this coloration or discoloration for me because, you know, white would have been better than to look like that, right? Because you've gotten sunburned in one spot or, and it left a mark. That part was exposed, was exposed to the light. This is what our lives are like. We don't fully immerse ourselves in God. So there's parts of our life that get exposure to the light. And you can tell that that part has been in the light because it leaves a mark on who we are. But there's other parts of our lives that have not been exposed at all. And it stands out. And it's very easy for people to tell. So look, you can't half dip yourself in the sun, S-O-N. You've got to fully immerse yourself in the sun. It says that when we come into the light, we come into the light. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness. This is a big deal for the church today. We like to say that we're exposed to the sun and then walk in the shadows. We walk in the shadows. We want to fit in in the world but be exposed to the sun. That's kind of like driving in your car down the road, rolling down the window, and sticking this arm out. Ooh, that, doesn't that feel good on my arm? But your body's not exposed to the sun, is it? What do you got to do? You got to get out of the car and expose yourself to all of that. They tell me as I get older, I have less and less vitamin D. Every time I go to the doctor, she tells me, less and less vitamin D. Your vitamin D is low, Tim. Your vitamin D is low. I say, well, what do you do? Well, you're either going to take a vitamin D pill or you got to do what? you got to get out in the sun more. The sun makes that naturally. But I can tell you this. I'm going to give you this pill, but it might give you at your age, <laughs> this is great, kidney stones. So I can peel myself up to get the vitamin that I can be given freely if I go out there and get it. Think about that spiritually. You have the freedom to spiritually immerse yourself in God. 
to expose yourself to the light. But we'd rather live in the shadows and take a pill for it to try to compensate. We can't do that. Spiritually, God calls us to expose ourselves and to allow that exposure to transform our lives. Not walk in darkness. We're supposed to walk in the light. Paul says this over and over to us. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Walk by faith, not by sight. Allow the light of God to shine in your heart, to shine forth in you. Exposure to this. I'm giving you examples of this. All this is found, well, the first two are found in John. The the second one is from Paul in, in 2 Corinthians. Let me read them quickly. In him was life, and the life was light of men. So now, are you following this light path? The light comes from God. God is light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And now the exposure of this says, in him was life, and this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. There was the true light which comes into the world and enlightens every man. You know, we like to live in a society today where we talk about there are those who are chosen and those who are not chosen. This passage right here says what? The light is for who? Everybody. The light is for everybody. We don't get to pick and choose and decide who's saved. God exposes the light to all men. And it's our job to, in the dark places of this world, to take that light. Jesus said this, John 3.16, who can, you know, who can, t- who can say John 3.16? I'm not going to ask anybody to recite it. But can you say John 3.16? Can you say John 17 through 20? Most of us stop with 16. Listen to what it says. 17 through 20 is taking the knowledge of 16 and giving comprehension to it. So it is taking the knowledge of John 3.16 and giving comprehension to it. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the judgment in verses 19. I skipped 18, but you can go back and read it. That the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be what? Exposed. So if we have been exposed to the light and it leaves a mark on our life, we can't hide that. Our job is not to hide that. Our job is not to try to cover ourselves and go hide in the shadows with everybody else. Say that we're in the light, but then live in the shadows. Our job is to take that light, which we've been given, and go into the dark places of the world and be a light in those places. Guess what we're going to do when we take light into the dark world? What are we going to do? If the light is now shining in us and we go into those dark places, what are we going to do? We're going to expose the darkness that's there. Um, I've used this example once before for this, and I'm going to use it again. I'm trying to move quickly. There's just a lot here. Um, but there, <clears throat> we know a man from a former church. There was corruption going on. Um, it was in a school system. 
all right? It was in Clark County school systems in that day and that time. <clears throat> and so guess what? He's the one that found what was going on. He discovered the monetary misappropriation. So guess what he did? He brought it to light. And he got lambasted. He exposed the darkness in the system where the corruption was taking place. And instead of people in the world embracing that light, what did they do? They hated it. They, they went after him. So I watched a godly man who was a deacon in our church just lose hair, just go through all kinds of anguish and, and torment and different stuff that he was having to go through. Why? Because he did the right thing, right? He took the knowledge and the information that he knew, and intellectually, he moved it forward. He comprehended that which was wrong, and he exposed it. The world didn't embrace him for it. In the end, they did. But he had to go through the entirety of a trial and all the stuff, and not only did they, you know, try to defend what they had done, but then they tried to, you know, say that he was not a good employee and all these different types of things. He survived it. He came out on the end. He won. I'm not telling you that he was better for it personally or even career-wise. He retired very shortly after that. But he took the truth that he knew and he exposed that which was wrong. That's the picture that we have here. The world's not going to embrace us for this. We do not get a gold star from the world for doing the right thing. The world wants to live in darkness. Our political system is corrupt. And you know what? In some cases, our religious systems are corrupt. In some cases, our police forces are corrupt. But that doesn't mean policemen are bad. And it doesn't mean all preachers are bad. Amen? Thank you. All right? It doesn't mean that all politicians are bad, does it? Amen. All right? No, thank you. At least I, I heard that. I, I saw that one hand go up in the back. So, look, we can't do this. Can't teach our children that they shouldn't grow up to be politicians because they're all corrupt. Everybody's going to think that they're corrupt. Or not go in the ministry because it's hard and it's difficult and it, there's bad people in it and there's good people in it. You know, or any of this. We, we, people would do nothing all day because we live in fear all the time. Our job is to take the light into the world. All right, the last part of it. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So just as we are enlightened, now we're going to be illumined. Our illumination. We're not the source of the light. The light is passing through us. Do you get that? We're going to talk more about that next week. The light is passing through it, and then the second thing that you're going to need to see is we reflect that in some places. We'll talk more about that next week. But we will have the light that brings life to those who are around us. Do you make things better where you're at? Are people glad to see you show up? When they think of you, do they think of a person of integrity and character? Do you conduct yourself in a way which is worthy of Christ Jesus? We have to ask these things about ourselves because we're illuminating the source. All right, 
Here's the, the last part of it. Understanding plus discernment equals wisdom. So once we learn to understand, when we move from uh, understanding to wisdom, there's something that comes in there. It's called discernment. Discernment is actually just making decisions every day. I'm real bad about this. When I know things, they just come out my mouth. They don't always pass through the filter of my brain before they do that. Do any of y'all ever do that? If I think it, I must say it. That's a pretty sad thing, isn't it? Sometimes. So as, as a part of my maturity, I'm having to learn how to not say that which I know. Because I'm not going to say that in the right way. It's not going to be taken in the context and in the, and in the way I'm thinking. I need, to, I need to discern that. I need to put that through that discernment filter. Because just because you know it's truth and just because I know it's truth doesn't mean that the person that's hearing it is going to take it the right way, right? We have to figure out the way to say that in love. The scripture says this, Paul says this, you and I are to speak truth, Ephesians chapter 4, go read it. I believe it's in there twice in Ephesians chapter 4. Speak truth in what? In love. Very good, you know it. When we speak truth, we have to speak truth in love. That's been a tough one for me. Because we all want to speak truth, right? We know I'm right. I know I'm right. The Bible says it. That doesn't always mean that we're going to say what we need to say in love. So the last part of that, that's what makes us a wise person. <laughs> when we don't speak truth in love, that's what makes us what Tim's known as, a sarcastic person. Yeah, there's hope. There God is not done with me yet. Somebody might say that I would be called a smart and then use another three letters after that. He just thinks he knows it all, all the time. Tries to tell everybody else. That doesn't make me a wise person. That doesn't lead the example that I need to leave for everybody else. Even though that I can go back home and go, you know what, I was right. I was totally right. I did not speak truth in love. And because I did not speak truth in love, I'm not a wise man. So, the last part of this is that we have to have light for life. We have to bring life to other people through the light that's within us. We don't bring death and destruction. We don't walk in darkness. We take the light. We're not perfect, but we're to take what we've been given use discernment and make wise choices scripture says this 2 Corinthians 5 4 excuse me verses 5 and 6 now I just read to you uh, no I didn't read to you I skipped that one didn't I let me go back up for a second on my outline 2 Corinthians 4 3 and 4 says this if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They can't see it because they're blinded in the world. We're supposed to take that light into it. Now let's read verses 5 and 6 down here. For we do not preach ourselves, 
but Jesus Christ is Lord. And ourselves, we are bond servants for the sake of God, or for Jesus' sake. For God who said, the light shall shine out of the darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So we're to give that light. That light comes to us as a gift, and we're to give that. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away, and behold, the new things have come. Our job is take, to take the light that we've been given, the light that comes from Christ, the light that has come from God, receive it, and then take that into the world. Not as someone who has all the knowledge, knows all the right things, but to take it to that world in love. That world is blind. That world likes the darkness. That world is comfortable in things not being exposed. And learn how through wisdom to love the lost world. What do we like to do? I'm going to close simply with this. We like to do this. We like to say that we are righteous and that the world is dying and going to hell. Those are both true statements. We are righteous. We are righteous but by the grace of God. The world is dying and going to hell. Our job is to do what we can to reach out to those who are perishing so that they take hold of the light. It's not for us to get in the four walls of this building right here and say, we are the sanctified holy. Whatever it be for the rest of you, so be it. that's not what God's called us to. That's not who Christ is. Christ is the light of the world. He's given us that light. Our job is to go out. Sometimes we're going to expose that which is wrong. We're going to have to stand up for that. Sometimes it means for us to be wiser than those who are around us. Know what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and who to say it to. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing of life. We thank you for the example that we've been given in Scripture. Lord, none of us are enlightened on our own. None of us can be the source of the light. Our lives are to trust in you. And Father, as we place our trust in you, you put us in places that are hard and are difficult. But you put us in those places because in some instances, they're dark places that need exposure to the light. Maybe people don't know what a true follower of Christ looks like in this world because what they read and what they watch on TV is not an example of that. Father, I pray that you'll give us the strength to be that in the places which you put us. To not only know what you say, but to understand what you say. To take that understanding, use the discernment, and turn that into wisdom. 
so that we can be good followers of the Father. Father, it's these things we ask and these things we pray for and seek this morning. And we do that all in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior.